0: Welcome to Horror Makes Us Happy, the podcast where we ask the question, what is it about horror that makes us happy? Your hosts are Steve Becker and Chris Whitman, and you can find out about, you can find out words. <laughs>
1: Cut. From the second top. How much, how much scotch did you put in your drink? <laughs>
0: Your hosts are Steve Becker and Chris Whitman, and you can find out more about us at our website, Horrormakesushappy.com. Before we get started...
1: Dot
0: <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> yes, we need a jingle. We need a jingle. <laughs> but we also need a disclaimer because we talk about... Hey, wait a
1: minute. We've got a musician on the phone. There you go. <laughs> yeah.
0: You, you do a jingle for us now? <laughs> I'm ready. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking something like... Uh, like uh what was that uh carpet place you
1: know or no um 1-800-EMPIRE there you go (laughs) something is iconic on that (laughs) so it's a a chicago thing although i think they're uh, not worldwide but they're national now but growing up in chicago there was 1-800-EMPIRE anyway today way off topic (laughs) yeah right (laughs) where
0: were we uh disclaimer So this is the trigger warning disclaimer. We're going to be talking about messed up stuff called by another adjective momentarily, but it could involve anything from uh, murder, rape, suicide, child abuse. Um, We're going to be talking about horror culture and messed up stuff. So if that's not your cup of tea, go listen to something else. Get out now. Or not. And listen to us talk about fucked up shit. Like that. Like that. Coming up in the near future, we are going to be talking to... Uh, actress Rebecca Reinhardt, best known for The Embalmers, Fright Vision, and Sister Krampus. Sister Krampus. Different angle. I like it. Hmm. As well as Kathy Koja, uh, author known for The Cipher, Strange Angels, and Buddha Boy. More Mm -hmm. interesting titles. I love it. Mm -hmm. But today we have the company of Andy Dean. Musician and author, best known for uh, "The Rain Within" and novel works such as "All the Darkness in the World," "The Sticks," and "No Turning Back." Welcome, hello, Welcome. hello,
1: hello. How are you? Doing quite well. Uh, before we get into the meat of the interview, anything you want to? pitch about what you're currently working on um i guess the uh latest thing for
2: me is uh in october my latest album from the rain within came out and it is uh called horror show one word fitting title yeah there fitting you home. go I, I i come prepared you know
1: <laughs> <laughs> well uh we'll put together a bio for you on the horror mixes happy page and link to uh that and or whatever else you want um so we can talk about that offline, but as far as the interview goes, uh, it's less about your professional work and more about you as a fan of horror stuff. Um, we, we approach this in three different aspects. We talk about your childhood, your teenage years and adulthood. Um, cause sometimes that triggers memories that you'd forgotten, but that said, it's not meant to be a therapy session. So anything that you don't want to answer, just say pass and we'll move on. But starting with childhood, what were some of your earliest memories of scary things?
2: Um, so I guess the first horror movie I remember seeing really young was uh phantasm and okay. I saw it at the drive-in with my uncle and my cousin and was just absolutely fascinated and confused. Um, That's a
1: good one to start with. Yeah, yeah
2: it, it didn't necessarily make any sense to me, but it, it scared the crap out of me and I was just left wanting more and and, you know i was around people that i loved, people i cared about and i experienced that a lot growing up with horror where um my parents were they're pretty awesome pretty great people and they were very open to letting me figure out life for myself as far as what i wanted and you know what i loved and they didn't make me they didn't turn away as I they said I had a love of horror films from like as young as they could remember mm. and they didn't necessarily get it but you know they made sure they were there to explain things and to separate fiction from reality and stuff like that but they also didn't like discourage it and uh, mm. I think because I had you know a solid family background this sort of vicarious fear and uncertainty that i got through the movies was fascinating to me Hmm. um i have a story from when i was my dad took me to a uh, local haunted house uh you know one of those things they throw every halloween and it was here in charlottesville little town and uh i was so little that my dad's like carrying me through here and i am loving it like Mm -hmm. just loving it but toward the end of it the wolf man reached out and my like I said, my dad's carrying me, he's holding me. Wolfman touches my shoulder and I just piss all over my dad. Like pissed. <laughs> just covered his chest in piss. And uh and was <laughs> just terrified. And then we got outside and when we got outside, I started crying because I wanted to go back in. <laughs> so I was very upset that I couldn't do this again immediately. My dad's like, Hey, we'll, we'll come back tomorrow. I'd like a different shirt, you know, but, uh, right. <laughs> so
0: that happened. And, uh, it's going to be an interesting reaction for your dad too. Like you, you expect the kids crying because he's scared and you're like, no, it's okay, buddies. It's just, it's just fake. And you're like, no, I want to go back. That was awesome.
2: <laughs> that, was, right? that, was how that went down. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, say nice. so we'll kick things off with the P story. See where hey, we're we'll going right. here. Wouldn't be the first time.
0: <laughs> On the uh, Phantasm thing, though, I'm curious. Had you seen Phantasm and then Star Wars, and if so, did you find the jaw was very confusing?
2: <laughs> <laughs> they are kind of the same, you know. I I, right. I hadn't considered that. I don't know which order I saw them in. I would guess that it would be around. The same-ish time, but it's all a blur to me. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Hmm. I just always like an action. It's like, what what are these Jawas doing in a mausoleum? Oh, we know
2: what they're doing. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. Looking for parts. Yep. Yep.
1: Okay. So Phantasm at the drive-in, but you remember horror even before that. Do you remember how old you were at the drive-in? Man, I was little. I don't remember how old I was, but I, I was still at that age where you could
2: like stand up
1: in the seat, you know. Okay. The reason I ask is because when well, you mentioned your father was carrying you at the haunted ha- haunted house, so I didn't know. I don't know which came first. I'm guessing Phantasm, but I'm not sure on that. It was
2: cool thing is Phantasm was at the drive-in, which makes it even better. Yeah. Back when that was a thing.
1: I missed drive So what else, what else do you remember from that age? You know, uh, just leaning in
2: toward horror related things like, uh, when it would be cartoons, you know, I'd want the Scooby doo, you know, and, and even on like corny television shows, it would be the, the Halloween episode, you know, Mm -hmm. each year stuff like that. It was, uh, It was just like the most like magical holiday for me. And I remember uh, my whole family would end up at my house uh, on Halloween and we'd watch movies all night. I'd do a, you know, big old trick-or-treating session back when the neighborhood used to be like, just packed with us kids.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And uh, yeah, it was just a really cool time. I just always loved it.
1: Did you have a favorite costume?
2: I don't remember if I did. I I remember that like when I first uh, first saw Halloween, Michael Myers was like my jam. <laughs> and and that sort of just never went away. Just like. You know, just that character was just perfect. OK, he is iconic.
0: Now we're talking about William Shatner, Michael
2: Myers, not kid in a clown suit, right? That is correct. Yes. OK. Clowns never did anything for me. Still don't. I just don't find them scary. I don't, you know, it just did not I mean, certain ones like Pennywise can be creepy.
0: It is possible for clowns to be creepy. But yeah, I also don't really get the whole clownophobia thing. The problem
2: with Pennywise is like, he's just ineffective. Like, (laughs) this dude's supposed to be this big, like, cosmic space spider. But he's like in the room with like, a handful of eight-year-olds, and he kills none of them. Well, yeah, he's going he's gonna to
0: make them tasty and, and afraid first, and then also still fail to kill them. And yeah. still
2: fail. It's like, I don't know, put anybody in that room with one hand tied behind their back, blindfolded with a hammer, and I feel like they'd at least get one of them. You know? <laughs> yeah. Just this clown is... Eventually, I feel like the kids will be like, Hey, guys, every time we run into this asshole, it's just nothing. And that's what I just don't get about it. It's like, I just don't find him scary. It's like, like one of the kids it, just pulls out a piece and he's like, blam. All right. It's, it's done. Like, Can we? Milk <laughs> it's, like, yeah, it's like, dude, are you going to kill us or not? This is boring.
1: Like just the most ineffective movie creature I've ever seen. That that could make for a good, good skit, like a comedy skit of, you know, Pennywise, Pennywise picks the wrong kid. He he finds the kid who's actually a horror fan. That's yeah, exactly. kid's like, is that it?
2: Right? Wow. Like he just looks to his friends got?
0: afterwards, like it's a fucking clown, you guys. Like, yeah, <laughs> like I get it. He's making
2: faces. Ooh, it's like, <laughs> it's like, oh no, Slipknot's doing a concert at my house.
1: <laughs> right? like,
0: that would even be slightly
1: scarier. Yeah. <laughs> um, it could be. Uh, so you mentioned your your family was pretty easygoing. Was there anybody in your family who was a horror fan?
2: oh time. man yeah like on my mom's side like my my grandma my aunt they were all into it not like I eventually got into it like on this level but they loved a good scary movie and I remember back in the day one of the big thrills about like uh like my aunt lived out in the country so a lot of times I could if I wanted to I could go stay with my cousin out in the country on the weekends which was awesome you know get to roam the woods and stuff but they had a Betamax player and there was this one shop that rented Betamax tapes and that meant I could get the horror movies that I couldn't rent on VHS on Betamax and watch them down there which is <laughs> mm-hmm. amazing but when yeah when we first started renting VCRs it was those big top loading monsters and you would yeah, right you would rent the VCR itself because you know, we were, we didn't have much money and uh, you'd rent the VCR itself and they'd have like a weekend mm. deal, like the VCR and three movies or four movies for the whole weekend for one price. And mm. I just, there was this one little closet sized room where they had the horror movies stacked up in those, you know, those beautiful old eighties VHS boxes. And um, I just rented a to Z I didn't care. I just oh, had to see every bit of it. So
1: Cool. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm wondering if having the grandma and the aunts uh, maybe influenced you at some early age.
0: Uh, yeah, like was there, you said earlier, it, it seemed to be in your DNA, but I mean, was there maybe a birth moment, if you will, of your interest in horror by uh, influenced by a family member or does it just seem like you were just always into
2: it? To me, it seems like I was always into it. I don't remember this one moment where I was like, click, you know, where a light switch went on. That's what I was going to
1: say. You were probably so young that you don't even remember it. If there was something like that.
2: Exactly. But I think that, that it makes a lot of sense that if there are people you love who are also enthusiastic about something, that you already have an interest in that it's going to pull you in that direction.
1: Well, I mean, even before you were interested, like maybe you were being babysat by your grandmother or your aunts or something, and they put on something that they want, they wanted to see. And you didn't even know what it was, but you saw that they were liking it. So maybe you liked it. You know what I mean? Like that kind of a thing.
2: Anything is possible. You know, I don't remember a moment, but I mean, that is, I could totally see that, you know, being down at my grandma's or something while my, my folks were working and, I don't know, maybe they had some on and they were having a lot of fun watching it. That would make a lot of sense,
1: but we've, I don't have a
2: specific.
1: Yeah. We've bumped into stuff like that before, where if it's, if it's that young that it you can't even remember it, you know, there's nothing you can do about that. It's, yeah. it's just back there. Um, so I'm wondering, did you, did you ever find it scary at all or was it always entertainment to you?
2: Oh, it was scary as hell. Like, (laughs) like I remember being little and I'd watch something and I ended up having to sleep in my parents' room, but there was still this feeling of safety associated with it. You know what I mean? It was never Hmm. like, it was never like true fear, even though I was scared, Hmm. but yeah, films definitely could freak me right the hell out (laughs) when I was a kid. I still like that image and in phantasm, like when the, the finger gets cut off in the door and it's like oozing yellow. And then it's like, then it's a bug all of a sudden. It's like that sort of thing sticks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not normal. No, I like, I've never lost a finger, but I'm guessing that's not the way it, you know, that things they're not happen. usually supposed to be filled with mustard. I wouldn't right. think so either. And I would, if any part of me, like if I like clipped my nails and suddenly they were, the clippings were bugs that would make me uncomfortable. Right.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's see. Did you have any scary dreams, like repeating um, uh, reoccurring dreams when you're a kid? I did. I would have, um,
2: and I recall, um, I don't remember my dreams much anymore. They don't stick with me anymore, but I do remember having like this one extended like week of night after night, this one werewolf dream that had mm. to do with these werewolves being said to be loose in my neighborhood. And there being these coins that people would lay in front of your door. If they thought you were going to be like a victim.
0: Huh? Hmm. Okay. And okay.
2: it would pick up where I left off, you know, for several nights in a row. I remember that one. It was very, very scary. Cause I never actually saw anything in it. It was it was a slow burn, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and uh, yeah that that one always always stuck with me. And I do remember when I was really little once having a nightmare, and I woke up and I stumbled out of bed. I was like, I gotta go to my folks' room. I'm freaked the fuck out. Whatever, I was just dreaming, and I I walked to where I, it was in the dark, and I walked to where I thought my door was, and I hit a wall, <laughs> and I like. Immediately, my brain was like, oh, no, they've shifted my reality or I'm somewhere else. (laughs) And that was uncomfortable. Panic. (laughs) Oh, and you know what also used to get me as a kid was, um, I don't know if you guys remember that little children's thing, that bloody fingers on the first step, bloody fingers on the second. That thing freaked the fuck out of me when I was a kid. I don't know. Not ringing a bell, no. No? Oh, man. I wonder if that's like a thing or not. Or something one of my uh, friends came up with. I wanted like don't step on a crack kind
0: of thing? So like when you're going up steps, it's bloody fingers on the first step?
2: I don't think so. I think it was more of a like anticipation of when the story was going to go. They got you. One of those like campfire uh-huh. sort of waiting for the jump scare. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it was more of that sort of deal. So what was the, the thing about the first step and second step stuff? I think it up? was
2: just they're creeping toward you. Oh. Uh-huh. Like now they're on the third step. Now they're on the fourth and they're like, they're coming up the steps at you and they're like these disembodied fingers or whatever. Is it just, you know, now I think I would, I would welcome them, you know, who can't <laughs> use, who couldn't yeah, use know. extra fingers? You know, you just get older and more mature and you can deal with these bloody fingers aside from the mess. You know. I mean, so many times at
0: work, I've just been sitting here typing like, God, if I could only have 12 fingers, like you yeah. done half the time. Fuck, I'll put up with a little blood you
2: know Yeah, help get this this uh, paper out earlier So yeah, right.
0: that's how fingers work right you can just sew extra fingers on your hand and they start working
2: I'm 100% positive
0: that that's scientifically accurate <laughs> asking for a like, friend who definitely has not robbed graves <laughs> <would>
2: say, right? <laughs> you just gotta sew them on with dental floss and they will takes about 30 minutes and then all of a sudden they wire into your brain you control them uh-huh.
1: I recommend everyone tries it yes, okay. right. Mhm. Um okay, going back to the werewolves in the neighborhood thing. You mentioned that uh it went on for a couple of nights. Uh what else do you remember? Not a lot. I just remember like I remember like uh, parts of it where I'm
2: like somewhere else in the neighborhood and I realize that it's like later than I had initially thought and I need to get back to the house.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like in a scenarios? big hurry and so I'm roaming back home and like I said the coins being laid on the doorsteps played in heavily. And there was something with like seeing newspaper articles and stuff like that about, you know, the deaths around town and, and things like that. But I never saw a creature, you know, I would see like shadows moving and have to get in the door. Um, stuff like that. But it was, it was all about a suspension dream. Totally. Yeah. yeah. But I never actually had like a confrontation in the dream that I
1: recall. Okay. Uh did anything happen happen in your childhood like in real life that actually terrified you? So
2: I want to preface this by saying I do not believe in ghosts or anything like that. Much as yeah. I want them to be real, I don't I don't believe in anything supernatural at all. Um but uh but I want all of it to exist. <laughs> so it would be cool if it was real. Oh man, like I want to do I want to cut across the country staying in like you know, murder houses and supposedly haunted houses. Like I want to do that. Like I would love to have that experience even if I'm terrified, but, uh, but I did have, I guess it was a nightmare. I don't recall this so well, but, um, I was staying down at my grandma's way out in the country. Uh, you know, one weekend when I was a kid and when my parents, and my mom came to pick me up, they said I was under the kitchen table, like hiding back there, and and they came in they're like hey what's going on what's going on and i said that a figure like a black cloaked figure hovered into the house and didn't have any eyeballs but it was like watching me with black pits and so i'd gotten under the kitchen table to hide hmm okay yeah Fun, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, right. I mean, now I just call that Tuesday, but you know, yeah, you
1: know, (laughs) his name's Frank, yeah, yeah, guys are dicks always wanting to always coming in wanting to borrow money, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let's see, okay, but nothing, nothing that triggered any uh lasting fears or you know, change behaviors, no, nothing, nothing specific that I can think of like that, okay. All right, so at least for the childhood section, um, childhood definitely make you ha- definitely did make you happy. Um, moving into teenage years, um, what were some of your favorite or most impactful scary stuff that you were exposed to in your teenage years? So I'm trying to think, like, because everything gets blurry at that point.
2: Because by the time I was a teenager, I was full blown, you know, just horror fanatic, like it, Those are the movies I loved. You know, I loved star Wars like anybody else growing up, but, uh, horror was fascinating to me where the others were fun. Mm. Um, but I, I do remember, you know, getting into that time where, where, uh, I loved gore films. I you know, just found that amazing. And, and like, like I said, I got into trauma, the sort of goofy, wacky stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that stuff was really fun to watch with my friends. Uh-huh. Um, but I remember Pumpkinhead hitting me really hard as far as more of a, you know, early, I guess you'd call that maybe folk horror. Uh, but once again, I liked how stark and serious that one was. I remember mm-hmm. really liking Pumpkinhead, mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I would watch an endless slew of those slashers and, um, And of course, oh, and I got into the, uh, that's when I started getting into a lot of the Italian horror, um, you know, fascinated with Suspiria and the beyond Mm -hmm. um, zombie, uh, that sort of stuff. And the Italians and all their orange blood. I remember one called like, what's it called? Nightmare City or something like that. And I remember me and my cousin, we were like, you know, probably... I don't know, 11, 12, something like that. But we were watching it and this zombie, these zombies, like they're just running and they're dudes that look like their faces are covered in oatmeal. And, uh, <laughs> and they're like overtaking the city. Cause this plane landed full of them. And, but I remember they broke into this, like, I don't know if you remember, but they would always have these like sexy woman dance routines in these movies that they would like shoehorn in somewhere. And this one had like an aerobics class and these zombies busted in and they, this woman shirt off and bit her nipple off. And we thought well, that was so funny at the time, and it looked so bad, you know. <laughs> um, that was a rewind moment for us. Um
1: <laughs>
2: but and of course the the blade we were watching chopper. it
1: for the zombies, right? 100%, yeah, one
2: hundred percent young young boys watching, yes, <laughs> zombies, and uh of course the head chopping scene in Dawn of the Dead with the helicopter blade. Uh-huh. How many times can you watch that as a kid? I mean, it's unlimited. like <laughs> Tape breaking so. amount of times. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like where that part of
1: the tape gets a little stretched. Yep. Yeah. Let's see. Pumpkinhead slashers. Italian horror. Hmm.
0: Out of curiosity with the trauma. Uh, how did you come across that? Because that's always an interesting story. You're almost never old enough to get it at the video store, so it's either a corrupting older sibling or a corrupting older
2: friend. Um, It was a me renting A to Z in the horror section.
0: Oh, yeah, that thing. Okay, and they let and, you uh, go home with trauma stuff, huh?
2: Yeah, well, my dad was always the one doing the renting, you know? Oh, I was oh, in wow. there with him, and and my dad was fucking rad. He's, he's a great guy, and uh, he knew what I was mature enough to handle, and that I was fine. I remember when we went to see... uh when Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 showed up at the theater here and I remember going to the box office with my dad I was like freaking excited just like yeah. freaking excited about this that thing. That one was a fun movie you know it was a good movie. Well they fun did soundtrack. the Evil Dead thing the second one's wacky you know yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, like I remember us being at, at the thing and they're like oh you know I'm sorry he can't come in he's too young for this and my dad's like oh it's fine I'll be with him you know but uh we're good and they're like no you know this movie is really restricted we were just not letting any kids in not even and I I like what yeah they're like nah you know he's not coming in and my dad i remember this went on for a few minutes and my dad eventually goes he has seen much worse at home <laughs> 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 and eventually he got me in and i don't know if i ever like- loved that man more <laughs>
1: But like that could be taken two ways.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's watch yeah, right. movies. I'm talking movies. Jeez, right? yeah. If you saw <laughs> what we did to the neighbors, <laughs> they tasted great.
0: Actually but you can see what we, what we did, we did to the neighbors. I got part of them in a bag right here. You want to <laughs> see? <laughs> you know,
2: but uh but he got me in. He got me in to see heavy metal, which not horror, but you know, a lot right. of horror elements there
0: mm-hmm.
2: when I was really little. Um, also
1: tits, of course. But they're like cartoon <laughs> boobs. Yeah, if that, that, that uh, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> uh, how, how old were you when you saw Texas
2: Chainsaw? Texas Chainsaw, the first one I was—I must have been really young because I saw the second one. What year did the second one come out? I saw it when it was like in the theater. So uh, like same, the with the, same with same with uh, Evil Dead Two. I don't want to click my mouse to look it up. I've already been, sc- <laughs> already been scolded
1: by a couple assholes once. <laughs> oh. Nothing wrong with doing it intentionally. It was just a like click, up, click, up, click, <laughs> click. <through. Where's laughs> click, click,
2: Habitual. I
1: have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned fidget, it, fidget toys. Um... I'm thinking, I mean, the original I thought came out in the late seventies, but maybe early eighties.
0: Yeah. I looked it up. Number two came out in uh, 86. Okay.
2: So I would have been like 12 years old. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, they did
1: not want me in there. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, on, in all fairness, 12 does seem for most 12 years to 12 year olds, that probably would be a little young.
2: (laughs) Maybe. So it was always funny to me. Cause like, my house was the place my friends knew if they wanted to watch really scary movies, they could go over and
1: watch, them, you know, <laughs> you were that kid. I was that kid. Yes. Yes. Then you got this friend over here. That's got the porn stuff because their father's got the playboys. You got Andy with the horror stuff. Uh, so you mentioned uh, other kids. Was there anybody else in your friends group that was also a horror fan or was it just you were the big guy?
2: By the time I hit middle school, I had a friend named Ricky and he was like, you know, we had our guys. Like I was a Michael Myers guy. He was a Freddy Krueger guy, you know, and he was big Mm -hmm. into horror. Not as I I, I never had a friend growing up that was like as nuts about it as me, but I had friends that were very into it. And that was so much fun, you know, so much fun, like something new would come out and having that shared like excitement like that was just awesome
1: exactly that's why we're gonna bring it up because they're having the social element can definitely add uh enjoyment to the situation Mm
2: -hmm. absolutely i mean even now because i'm such an art house piece of crap now (laughs) where like when i see reviews up for a new movie and they're like it's slow and pretentious. I'm like, oh my god, I can't wait to see this. <laughs> like I'm that yeah you know. asshole. <laughs> yeah, I can relate.
0: Like, I'm, I'm the asshole that brought all my friends to Ariaster films, and at the end they're like, why were there a bunch of fucking
2: naked people in a shed? I hate it. You're this like shut up. <laughs> 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 yeah, like last year I think my two favorites were uh Saint Maud and Censor. Oh Saint Maud, that ending. Yes. Yes.
0: Did you see same Sensor yet? And same thing with Sensor. Actually, they kind of both ended on they the same are very uh, angle parallel like the, films. Um, delusions of reality and what's actually, like the, the quick yes. flashes of this is what's actually happening right now. It's not happy.
2: And man, <laughs> did you, I don't know if you got it, man, but the, uh, I got to plug uh, Vinegar Syndrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, their their Blu ray of Sensor that came out yes. is. Freaking beautiful. Um, I'll check that out. Like the box it comes in, the packaging is so Mm -hmm. just there's so much care put into this thing. It's it is beautiful. Comes with like a hard cardboard slip cover. I love that stuff. I buy um that's I don't collect anything anymore. I used to be a big comics and uh toys collector. Mm -hmm. But I've been selling all that stuff off. But now I do collect um. Horror Blu-ray and 4K stuff because, for one, I think with the digital age coming, things are going to disappear. You know, yeah. like even if say like um like a movie like Stigmata, where the the alternate ending is far superior to the uh, theatrical, mm-hmm. but when you go to buy it on iTunes or something like that, that yep. other ending is is gone. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff like that, and I also worry about them going back in and cutting out scenes that they find, um, Lucasing. Yes, yeah. exactly. I worry about that with my horror. And, uh, and so I do buy these movies. I want them in their like purest form. Hmm. Uh, did you participate in Halloween as a teenager? Um, so as a kid, trick or treating was everything like, like, you know, to the point of like, forget those little pumpkins. We would move around with, uh, pillowcases yep we'd have so much candy it was so much fun and as a as i got older like even when i was in high school uh me and my friend brahm uh the like my last couple years of high school we would do up the front yard like crazy we'd even go buy like dry ice cover the yard so we could like have this mist rising i remember one year we we bought like um this pumpkin that was white and it was so big that we, once we had carved it out, you could get in it and close the lid. So we had that lit up and it looked awesome. His problem was he was an artist and just amazing with like, you know, uh, like he, like anything I carved next to what he carved looked like a pile of crap. But, um, (laughs) and then on top of that, we went and got like 20 little pumpkins. So the lawn was like covered. And then we did the old, the gag where like, you know, I'm sitting there in a chair on the porch, but I've got stuffing coming out of like the neck and the, Mm. and the sleeves, that sort of thing. Yeah. But I had a, like a hockey mask on with dark sunglasses under it. So there's no, you know, nothing, no giveaways showing. Mm. Yep. And so when the kids would come up, I would pop up and scare them. And when they'd run away, Brahm, he'd be hiding in the back of my dad's pickup by the road, and he'd pop <laughs> up there as they were running away, and it was just the best. Our only rule was we didn't scare little kids, you know? Last I see you. Yeah, yeah, you know. You don't want to scar anyone because of the, these two assholes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Uh, did you have any reoccurring <laughs> dreams in your teenage years? Nothing that sticks out. Okay.
2: Yeah. I mean, that that werewolf dream might have been when I was a
1: teenager. I don't know. Uh did you have anything actually terrifying happen in your real life? I don't think so. I had like um I had
2: when I was in middle school a friend of mine uh committed suicide and I had a friend in 5th grade who attempted suicide, didn't succeed, and then like I said in middle school someone succeeded at committing suicide and that was That was a moment, you know, like that was this very like, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it, but it, it, it altered the world for me. How so? I like that. That was a possibility, you know, it's like, oh, I, I will like in that same vein where these things that I've been enjoying on film, when they start to like cross the line into like, Oh, these, these people that are making these films and this art, they are basing it on the horror of real life, mm-hmm. you know, kind of coming out of childhood. And I do remember there was, um, when I was a kid, there was a, a girl that was murdered here in Charlottesville. And, uh, the, I remember the girl's name to this day. It was Katie Worski. And, uh, this guy had like, you know, kidnapped her and killed her, and they never found her body. But they said that she might either be buried under this hardies that had been being built at, at the time. I remember that was one of the big rumors that she was down in the foundation, or that she'd ended up at the uh, like at the landfill or something like that. But that was that was once again very eye opening. This that you know these monsters we're also in the real world, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, you knew it on one level, but it hadn't, it hadn't been that close to home. You know, it we didn't have the internet. There. So murder stories came from a distance and they came late.
1: Uh-huh.
2: You know, it had to be something really sensational, like a, a, you know, a Charles Manson sort of thing to reach you. But at, by the time you heard about Charles Manson, Manson, it was like, it was like a myth almost by then, you know, yeah, so, yeah. It was so big, but this was this little personal murder and more close to home, very close to home. I mean, they lived down the street from my grandma's house, you know?
1: So how did that approach or change your approach with horror? It it didn't, but I think it made me more thoughtful about it. Okay. You
2: know, a little more thoughtful about the world in general. Okay.
1: um, Let me jump back up to hear some of the uh, media things that you talked about, like pumpkin head and the the Italian horrors and the slashers. What were, I like to try to focus on the emotional reactions because that sometimes tells us something. What do you think your, your prime emotional reactions were were to these things?
2: Like, I think for me it was, I remember like when I, when something new would show up at the shop and once again, you know, those eighties horror films, like, the box art always promise made promises that the movie couldn't keep. Right. You know, like the art was just it was these gorgeous, like cool, creepy paintings, and um, especially those big clamshell boxes. Um, so it was this feeling of like wonder is the best way. the The same way I imagine some kids feel when they first show up at Disney. Okay. Like that sort of feeling where it's like, and I still get that when I see a trailer of something new come out, like I, I, I get that same, like, like, oh my God, I need this in my life immediately. You know, this, this sort of like, it's magical. It's, uh, here's this piece of art coming at me and, and I'm always like I'm always I've always got that little bit of hope and I remember feeling this when I was a kid too because I love a lot of horror movies but they' are like those 1015 maybe films that just hit every note and they're perfect to me something like like the uh, the French the original version of martyrs mm-hmm. where I saw it and I I I couldn't even speak at the end of it. (laughs) And so I've always got that sort of like when I, when I see a trailer of something and I'm like, Oh my God, that's the tone. That's what I want. Like, and, and, and it's like scratching a lottery ticket, you know, like, is this going to do it? And it's funny because sometimes I find that I don't enjoy a film that I really love as much on the first viewing Because the whole time I'm watching it, as I love it more and more and more, I start getting internally grumpy because I'm thinking, I know this director is going to screw up the ending. (laughs) (laughs) And so I start anticipating them messing up this thing I love, you know, and when they when they nail when they they hit that landing and they nail it, then I'm immediately like and sensor was one of those for me where I went back and saw it three days in a row, like after they nailed the the landing, I was like, Oh yes. Like <laughs> they didn't screw up. There's not a big CG monster at the end, you know, like um, things like that. But, but like, let the right one in something like that, where I feel like just, it, it's just beautiful and perfect. And you know, it's, it's
1: just this piece of art well, you mentioned hope and I was going to ask, what are you hoping for? But then you mentioned tone. So I think it's related to that. What kind of, what's the tone you're looking for? I, I,
2: I don't really enjoy, uh, horror comedy. And I also don't like, um, generic tropes that are fine when you're a kid, when you haven't been exposed to them, but as you get older and you've seen them a million times, like Oh the bad thing brought the son and father closer together and they didn't like each other before. Right. That sort of thing feels trite to me now. Right. Um when I see a director do it and like, oh, that made the family love each other again. It's like that Yay. sort of
1: thing it feels very cheap to me. Yeah. No humor, no tropes. Um but those are negatives. What's the positives? What what are you seeking? So I love things that don't have safety. Like I
2: like when a director lets me know nothing here is sacred, not a character, not a relationship. There is no promise being made to you as to where this thing is going to, is going to go as to where this thing is going to end. Um, one of the things I really love right now, because I'm into this sort of thing are um, horror adjacent movies like uh, a ghost story, mm-hmm. which not exactly a horror movie; it's kind of a love story, but it's a ghost. Mm-hmm. But I think it's like absolutely beautiful. Um, or stuff like um, I don't know if you saw Stoker. Uh, Stoker was brilliant. Or um, uh, more recently, uh, what was it called? Um, the guy that did the lobster killing of a sacred deer killing of a sacred deer that sort of horror adjacent story where it's like we don't know what genre this is but we're the only one that's gonna let you in so come on and hang out you know Mm -hmm. um that sort of thing i love and i love movies where no one in the story is a good person and that's one of the things i loved about stoker um Oh, another one
0: in that same vine would be uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin.
2: Oh, so good. Not necessarily
0: a horror story, but fucked up and fucked fucked up up people.
2: And nobody that you can say is like, that's my hero. I don't like hero characters because I don't think they exist in real life. I think there are people that do heroic things, but I think we're all damaged. So it
0: sounds like what you like is... Basically, at at its base, uh, just something different, you know, not the the same normal cookie cutter Lego. These characters are going to die. These characters are going to fall in love. Something different.
2: Exactly. Yeah, definitely.
1: definitely. It it still goes back to the suspense. I mean, we're talking about the unknown, but it's the suspense, really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You can't have
0: suspense if you know exactly what's going to happen.
2: Right. Very true. And, you know, others, uh, other recent things I'm thinking of that are in this vein are melancholia. Mm-hmm. And a mother. It, oh, you haven't seen Melancholia? No.
0: Uh, it's wonderful. I have seen Mother, seen that,
2: mother but I've really seen good. Mother. Mother, I saw so many times in the theater, <laughs> and not once, no, I think once, maybe, but m- almost every time I went, people left. Well, yeah, I mean, the baby. People probably mm-hmm. walked out at that part. Yeah, yeah, people are so anti-eating babies nowadays.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's like... I was like, like 13 when I found that image online of the Asian dude eating a baby out of a soup bowl. You know, I mean, <laughs> you just got to expose yourself to it early and then you rip off the bandaid. It's fine.
2: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, did you see the eyes of my mother? Yes. Oh, like was, that sort of thing is like, uh-huh. that is my jam, you yeah. know? And like I said, it's, I think it's a horror movie.
0: In the eyes of my mother, I would count that as a horror movie, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's not going to fit anywhere else. It was
0: similar to um, uh, American Mary in that you just have this, like, deranged, fucked up woman who has to hurt someone because it's her thing.
2: But the thing I loved about this over American Mary is the eyes of my mother. She didn't mean to hurt anyone.
0: Yeah, I was just about to say they're they're not really she the same was thing. American Mary her- was definitely revenge. This was yes. her just kind of carrying on a tradition that she inherited from her mother, I think. Well,
2: and it was her like dealing with her her pain and loneliness. Yeah. And having no idea how to go about that in a healthy way. Yeah. Um and it's this is um this is a big sticking point for me with uh Chainsaw Massacre sequels. Mm. Is one of the things I love about Leatherface in the original one that they have gotten wrong in every sequel mm-hmm. is dumb. that they make him evil in the sequels yep. and sadistic, and in the original Chainsaw Massacre, he is working. He's yeah. the scared. I need to do this. Like he's not. He's not enjoying hurting anyone. He is putting food on the table. Mm -hmm. And they make him evil. They even make the masks like look mad in later films. Mm -hmm. And like that makes him less scary. Like that he knows what he's doing and he's going to get you. And it's like, it's so much less scary to me than the chaos he presents in the first one. Mm -hmm. That sort of apathy to the entire situation other than I have to get dinner on the table.
1: So we've talked now about a number of things that I think would fall into your adult years. Um Saint everything from when you mentioned Saint Maud to you know French version of Martyrs and Let the right win in. I'm guessing all that stuff is adult years by now. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um same same hope. Hoping for the same tone. Yeah, I love um like
2: my ideal film, like I, I would say like something like The Witch. You know, I love when an author or a director—I should say—is in no rush to get where he's going. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's gonna sit you down in this atmosphere and and make you soak it up for a while. Um, you know, the movie's gonna be longer. It's gonna be dark. There's and I I cannot abide comic relief characters like i don't want any snarf in my damn horror you know
0: <laughs> <laughs> but that's a great way of putting it oh my god
2: <laughs> yeah that's even though um i can deal with a character who the person is funny and they're in this situation that isn't funny kind of like a uh, like in midsummer the one dude had a sense of humor he was kind of a goofy guy
0: yeah he pissed on the, the red hair you know yeah
2: but that there are people like that in real life you know i can yeah. deal with that but i i but the guy that's there like to be wacky
1: or to trip and fall down. Like it wasn't that that guy didn't seem like he was shoehorned in. That was was just the guy.
2: Yeah. Like I'm that guy. Like if I was in a horror (laughs) movie, like I'm a goofy son of a bitch, you know, like I'm a, I just, I goof off constantly. I'm always looking for the joke I'm really annoying that way. And, uh, (laughs) fiddling with the thing you should be fiddling with. Fiddling with the thing, though we don't
1: know for sure that that was me. Um, it's not been confirmed officially. Uh, and then the, the natives are like, "What are you doing?" And you're like, "What? <laughs> what are you talking? about It's like, "Shit, you invited me." Yeah, right. I fiddle all uh, I want. <laughs> uh, you mentioned um, towards the end of a movie, not not being able to speak at the end. You'd also talk, you know, this suspense of the unknown, but then I think kind of the not being able to speak at the end maybe is something slightly different
2: being
0: speechless at the end of
1: it is is when when when
2: something hits me like that deeply, like I like it's an experience for me. Like when I like when I saw the witch, that was like, I just wanted to sit there and soak that in like because you don't get those. And especially I love ghost stories so much like the original changeling um the others you know stuff like that where it's just tone the entire movie and slow scares and um i i love that sort of thing but they're so hard to make because like i think the easiest type of film would meet to make would be like a kind of the modern jump scare horror because mm-hmm. you don't need to work real hard for that you just need to slow it down for a minute and go boom you know and then slow it down and buh like i remember i saw that movie the nun and it was another like i felt the same way about that that i did with it where i'm like she's just not doing anything like everybody in the family's fine don't worry about it she's she jumps out but then she, she doesn't is. grab them she doesn't yeah. kill them and it's like what is like why is she bothering she's like an annoying neighbor more than a you know, a scary presence. Like she killed the dog too. Dun, 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 (laughs) man, that dude, like, I don't, I like those movies are a little tough for me because of how corny the families always are. They always have these speeches about how they like, I loved you since the first time I saw you, baby. You always (laughs) been there for me. And I'm sitting there like with a little bit of vomit in my Coke <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're so unrealistic like the
1: family dynamics in those films mm-hmm. it's pretty painful but i like let's the first go to- oh go ahead go ahead sorry let's go back to the witch for a second uh what was it you said that was one of the ones where you couldn't speak at the end what was it the you speechless the fact that they it never betrayed itself um it it never
2: jumped out of its tone to have this like like there's no like horse chase at the end, and there's no battle between good and evil or explosion or anything else. It just sank into its tone and it stayed true to what it was, and it didn't mm-hmm. ever pander to what it thought
1: an audience might want. But see, it all that sounds like vision. But that all sounds like it's meta commentary about the movie, not the content. Do you know what I mean?
2: Mm. Hmm. Let me think. Well. I mean, it was just, it just didn't miss a note. Like beginning to end, I I never had that moment where I was taken out of the story and reminded I was watching a movie. You know, I never had that moment where someone said something and I'm like, did they just do that for laughs? I just sank in and I stayed there. and, And at the end, I thought the girl's journey was like just absolutely beautiful. And when she's up in the air, like you, you know, the, the direction was so good. You feel like you're up there with her. Like you've, you've escaped all of this, like oppressive pain. And like, I don't know. It was just, it was beautiful.
1: What did you think was beautiful about her journey?
2: Just the, I think it was that you suffer with her for the entire film. And you see her wanting to escape this life and this cruel sort of mother figure and and she can't get away and can't get away and can't get away and and eventually she does it's like an does. unexpected and, happy ending you know, don't you
0: expect it to go the cookie cutter route of and she didn't actually succeed or you know and somehow the baby got back and the witches were thwarted and happy ending everyone's happy but no or, she actually became
2: a witch yeah, and and the other thing I could have seen happening would be a carry sort of ending, mm-hmm. where she goes back and destroys everything, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but they killed chose. they
0: they, they left
2: didn't it open, need it, which was classy. Absolutely, and I don't think those people would matter to that character anymore. True. Fuck yeah! No more reason
1: for rage, no more reason for sorrow. She is like unshackled, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm hearing possibly conflicting things here, but are you saying that she eventually did escape and you say by becoming a witch. So was it like she escaped by going through it, like becoming the thing she feared? I don't know if
2: I'd put it that way or not, but I think, yeah, there's gotta be some element of that. I mean, she was, I mean, how else was it an escape? Well, it's an escape because once she knows she's this powerful, I mean, what are these people going to do to drag her back in? She's like, bitch, I'm flying now. Like, you think I'm going to wash the dishes? You're crazy. Like, you know, it's she is physically elevated herself beyond that world. She is somewhere else now,
1: a place with new rules. You okay, know, so she escaped into her power, but not by going back and joining them, but by and the, but taking that and then leaving.
2: Yes. Yeah. I, I think there's a reason that she didn't go back to that house. You know, there's no need. It's behind her. Like at that point, revenge is petty and pointless. She's she's new, you know, she's reborn and mm-hmm. kind of what she's needed to be. I don't know if you saw a movie called The Reflecting Skin. Hmm. No. It's an early like Vigo Mortensen film, and it's freaking gorgeous, but it has an end that has a sort of release like that that I love. Um, yeah. it's different. So there's no spoiler there but um but uh it's one of my very favorite movies and it did get a finally got a blu-ray release like a couple years ago.
1: You mentioned one other movie that uh left left you speechless at the end but I I wasn't able to write it down fast enough. Do you remember what that one was? Was it a ghost story?
0: I think it was Martyrs.
2: Maybe. Oh, Martyrs is just I mean, Martyrs is freaking perfect. (laughs) The the whole like French extremity genre, like the films of like Gaspar Noé. Mm -hmm. um, He's just, I I just
1: think the guy's like, his work is brilliant. Well, let's talk about Martyrs then for a second. When we were talking about The Witch, um, the things that I kind of keyed into, you were talking about no suspension of disbelief. And I was going to point out that Okay, so if there's no suspension of disbelief, then it left you thinking about whatever it was in the movie. Um, what was it in the martyrs that you were left thinking about? So martyrs, I don't like. You guys have seen it, right? Yeah, I think Chris has. I have not. Those okay.
2: Well the the ending is the most existential mm. fuck I think there's ever been in a film. It's a
0: little nihilist too. I mean, depending on how you interpret what she said, you know, if it was, it means nothing. Then that's total. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I I think
2: it's one of the most nihilistic films ever made. And I love that the film has like it has this midsection where suddenly the tone shifts, Uh and it's you got a second story that you did not see coming, and maybe that's
0: kind of what starts the uh, snowball effect, if you will, of that that feeling of awe at the end of it because it throws you that curveball in the middle yeah. of the film where you go from one character being the main character to now this new person and the story starts all over with the torturing and and the need to escape so yeah just it starts that escalating process and by the end it ends and you're just left there like well all of that just happened shit
2: yes <laughs> And and the ending is one of my favorite movie endings of all time. Like I I absolutely love it cuz in in this one in a way the victim sort of wins, but sort of everybody loses. <laughs> like yeah. It's a uh, it's it's fascinating and I think it's so
1: beautifully shot. So here it sounds like you know earlier when we were talking it was more about maybe thrill or excitement or suspense here. Now it sounds like it's not just as the the suspense, but also um, an interesting story, I guess.
2: Of course. Yeah. I think that is a, that is key. I think your tastes may have matured. That's the thing. And it's, it's sometimes it's a bummer. Like sometimes I, I miss being able to sit down with a, with friday the 13th and enjoy it the way i did when i was you know 12 13 years years old
1: yeah has there been anything actually terrifying that's happened in your adult life um i've been through some like dark times but not a um like a near-death
2: experience or anything. not a
1: near-death experience no (laughs) nothing that has affected uh affected your life moving forward let's put it that way yeah nothing well i mean i've i've definitely
2: had like suicidal ideation things of that nature mm-hmm. um but uh but I've gotten through it you know and That'd be uh, the operative word, yeah 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 exactly and uh that would be th- that would be most of it I am I've I've struggled with this whole like life mattering thing for most of my life since I was a kid like mm. you know I see people with religion and people with like whatever else. And and sometimes I have to like, kind of, I don't know. I have to really question everything. I just don't, I don't get it sometimes, you know? And and I I don't even know how to put it exactly, but it all seems very goofy and pointless to me a lot of the time. Um, And watching horror movies makes me happy. You know, I don't know what that, how those two tie together but I know that that's when I feel good. You know, one of the times I feel good is when I'm watching something from any genre in horror, you know, Mm -hmm. but, uh, but yeah, I've definitely battled with that as an adult. And, uh, I know a ton of people who have to, I'm not saying I'm special or anything, but, uh,
1: um, just answering the question. Honestly, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see, I, I guess let's jump down here to the, uh, The last questions, these questions don't just relate to horror and they don't relate to any particular section of your life. It's all, all, all over. Um, and the first two questions I'm going to ask, I'm going to give them to you at the same time, because it could be the same answer for both, or it could be two different answers. Uh, those two questions are, what do you think is your favorite movie and what movie have you seen more times than any other? Right now, like it's either Martyrs or a ghost story, probably. Well, we, we've already talked about Martyrs, so let's go with Ghost Story. What, what makes that your favorite movie? So a ghost story is um,
2: uh, it's a David Lowry film. It's not a horror movie, okay. but it's basically this couple is in love. They're living in their house, and the husband dies in an accident. Basically, he's in the house as she is wandering through the rest of her life, meeting lovers, da da da. And then you think that's kind of how it's going to go. But then the film goes beyond her even exi- being alive anymore. It's she's out of the picture and he's still occupying this space. And eventually this space is like no longer a house. It's a big, like futuristic office building sort of thing and he's still walking around with no purpose and no no concept of time there's these great interviews with the director about like there's a scene where um and it's like nine minutes long and the uh rooney mara is the the wife and um casey affleck is the the ghost and um there's a scene after he dies where someone brings her a pie like, you know, people bring food after a death and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And the scene is like eight or nine minutes long. And she just eats the entire pie. And you just sit there and watch her do it. And then she goes and throws it up. And I saw, like, I've heard people, like, make fun of the scene. I've heard people like me where I'm like, I thought it was brilliant. Like, you have to sit there with her in her pain like you don't get to go anywhere else because she's hurting and you're going to be here with her. So you feel it. And that's what I thought the director was doing. But what he was actually doing, according to him in this interview is he said that he wanted you to understand how time moved for this ghost. So there are scenes where things take too long and there are scenes where things fly by and all of a sudden he's lost 50 years and he's in the future. And it's like, Things aren't they're linear still for him, but they're not moving the way it
1: does for the living. So we're talking about moments in the film, but what's the emotional reaction for you? Like
2: heartbroken, fascinated. Um, this, this overwhelming sense of like seeing the most beautiful painting I've ever seen. Um, um, there's my, my favorite scene in the movie is the ghost walks up to the window and looks across at the house across the way, and another ghost, another person in a sheet is standing there. Hmm. And they never, there's no dialogue with the ghost, but they, you know, there's uh, subtitles. Yeah. And he waves, and the other one waves, and he, his subtitles say, like, what are you doing? And the other ghost says, I'm waiting for someone Mm. and he says, who are you waiting for? And the other ghost says, I don't remember. And that is like everything to me. Like that is, that is beauty on like level 500 for me. Like that is heartbreaking, beautiful, Mm. perfect. Just like, I don't know that resonates with me so hard. Hmm and I can't describe it, but it brings tears to my eyes every time I see it without fail. Like that breaks my heart. And maybe it's, maybe it ties back into me, like my, like feeling that there's no purpose to any of this. And this sort of like beautiful sadness that this thing is still waiting, even after it doesn't know what it's waiting for. Mm
1: possibly tend tangential, but um, do you have strong emotions about um, memory or the fear of loss of memory? Mm-hmm. I think that I have trouble realizing that,
2: like that, things that are gone are gone. Like these, that moments are gone. And even as a kid, I kind of, if I was like, at the beach with my parents, which every year we'd take this vacation to down to Virginia beach. And it was one of my very favorite things. But as soon as we got there, I was already mourning that it was going to be over. Mm. And I've always had that thing where I was already like enjoying myself and happy, but already sad because I knew the end was on the way. And that is a theme in my music, like a lot like I write about that I, I you know I probe thats that sore tooth a lot you know and uh I don't know why that's always been a thing with
1: me, but it really has it's uh, uh i the reason that I asked that question is because I think you and I might have something in common here <laughs> yeah um, and this I think is call come up on at least one other call uh chris mate you you might recall me talking about this but I've ever since I was a child. I've always had a sense of depression related to the impermanence of things. Is probably the best way I can say it. I remember being a kid and learning about like the um, the pyramids and how old they are, and thinking to myself about how you know how powerful the people were that had those built, and those are probably the only people from their time that we remember. And you think about it, like, there is probably millions of people on the planet and we only remember them because of these stupid, huge rocks that they assembled. And like, we don't yeah. know any of the people that put them together. We don't know who the, like like now 20 years later, there's been enough Egyptology, uh, you know, science to, so we do know who built them now, but like at the time when I was learning about them, like you didn't even know who the name of the architect was, like who's yeah, the contractor and- that built them. And yeah,
2: I, I totally feel that. And for me, it's also this thing like I'll see, you know, in a photo from like 1900 and like. Well, that's what I was going to just-
1: say is it's that's that's where it started for me. But then it grew from there into touching everything and, and including my own mortality. Like, I understand that 10,000 years from now, nobody's going to know who I am. No, probably. Yeah.
0: Um, that's almost comforting in a way, right? No pressure.
1: <laughs> right, right. Uh, easy like, for you to
2: say, <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think the thing that like, and I don't even exactly know how to put this into words, but like the other thing that like is I always find very heartbreaking. Like, I love watching those old like restored videos of like you know New York City in 1900, right. and 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 wondering about the people in them. Yeah. yeah, and as opposed to like the history and the this guy did this and this. To me, it's like the I'll just see a random person walking down the street in one of these videos and be like, "Man, they were going somewhere. They were hoping for something. There was somebody they loved, or somebody they hoped loved them, or or a job they wanted to get, or they were about to have their favorite meal. You know, it's just these tiny little moments. It's those like." little microscopic moments that, that disappear and there's right. no way
1: at all I to, uh, I think about something like that in relation to myself all the time. Like my grandmother's house in uh, Florida, we've lived there on and off since 85. And I can't tell you how many times I've mowed that lawn and looked at the sidewalk and said, I don't know if anybody is ever going to know this sidewalk as well as I do today. Like, yeah. 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 Yeah it's weird <laughs> and on it's,
2: some level, it's, but it's also beautiful on some level. Like yeah, I, I cool. love that sort of thing. And I, th- I think that uh, when an art house horror film touches on things of that nature, th- that's that really does it for me
1: because those are, they're abstract ideas, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm, yes. And no, I mean, the, Coming down to the topic of mortality, I was going to say it's concrete for me because I exist. Once I'm gone, it'll be abstract for me. That's one way
0: to look at
1: it, yeah. Yeah, that's That's fair. That's fair. Be concrete as long as I'm concrete. (laughs) Right. Uh, We're all carbon. uh, Yeah. uh, Do you see any common threads about what you like uh, in horror? Cannibalism, occult, metaphysical? Not really.
2: I I love things for different reasons. I love Michael Myers for his stoic quiet purpose and always marching forward. Kind of this unstoppable thing is just going forward. I love demons for the chaos. I love ghosts because nothing gives me chills like that. You know,
1: ghost stories like nothing gives me chills like that. So it's, I'm kind of all over the place with what I love well, you kind of touched on something that came up earlier in the call. Um, we were talking about, uh, you know, serious hor- horror and no, no humor and stuff like that. Um, and we kind of joked about you being a purist, but I, I think that kind of ties into having more intense emotional reactions, uh, which you kind of touched on here in, in this last uh, bit. I forget what you said. There's something in there about intense emotions. but So I'm wondering if that's a thing for you. Certainly, like, uh, and scenes where, like, a character
2: is, I don't know how to put this, like, letting it all out. Mm -hmm. Like, in in Mother, when she starts screaming, the main character is a scene where she starts just screaming, Mm -hmm. like, it chokes me up. And the Reflecting Skin, a movie I mentioned earlier, the end of that movie always gets me when there's, like, this major like release of emotion, this pent up and i think the witch has that to an extent at the end mm. when she's like letting out all this kind of pent up oppression and you know I, I don't
1: know that sort of thing always always hits me right in the heart well that kind of ties into the next question but you've already answered it. i was gonna say do you have any idea why it is that you like those things but <laughs> if not it's it's funny it's it's I don't know. Like, it's like
2: looking at a painting and and being like, man, I think that painting is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And, and you could say it's the muted tones or the, you know, the way the subject is sitting. I don't know, but sometimes it's
1: just, it just is. Now that we've talked about that, then why horror? Because couldn't you find intense, beautiful emotions in other genres? I have, like I said, in horror adjacent things,
2: my problem with a lot of like, you're not going to find something like that, like, uh, in like a Transformers movie, you know, it's, it's, um, there you're not going to feel anything, at least I'm not watching like a Transformers film or something like that. It's, uh, and, and you're not going to find a lot of that in movies that are. I don't know. Like a lot of times, if you watch like a PG movie, you can feel where it shouldn't be PG anymore. Mm -hmm. But I think horror is that genre that, that, that you find more movies that don't pander, you know, Mm -hmm. that the audience is open to something strange and unexpected
1: and not happy. I think, uh, where you're, what you're moving towards is kind of where I thought, the answer was which is that it's the specific emotions like we i said a minute ago you can find these kinds of emotions in other genres but i think what you're saying is it's these specific emotions though you don't necessarily get in those other genres like okay an action film is excitement and there's you know rom-coms have certain you know emotional content there but it's not this emotional content do you know what i mean
2: absolutely absolutely and and like I said, like I'm trying to think of like, there's, it's interesting because I think of like indie horror as opposed to something like, you know, like a James Wan film, which is catering more toward a mainstream audience. But, but I think of like the, the horror I really love, like I said, like last year, St. Maud Censor, these sort of art house pieces. Um, Like, is there that sort of audience in every genre? Like, is there like, I guess maybe clerks would be an example for comedy, you know, Mm. where it's, it's made for a, a smaller audience and it's not aimed at the masses, but I don't know. Like, but I think that's part of it. And even in other genres, I tend to lean toward the
1: films like that, like clerks that aren't typical. So, I think for summary, I think I have an idea, um, of what, how we could summarize this before I'll, I tell you what I'm thinking. I'm kind of go, going to go into a TMI tangent a little bit. This is a, a an adult rated call. So we'll, we'll just do this <laughs> fire away. But, um, you know, I remember again, I did say it, TMI being a teenager, young teenager, um, hitting puberty. And being horny as shit. <laughs> and I hadn't learned yet how to have an orgasm. And I can remember one particular night where I was just like the most insanely, uh, emotionally, you know, t- past 2010, up to 20. Like, I just, I didn't know what to do. Like, it, and it, it was just this load of emotion really is just (laughs)
0: load, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And I just didn't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. And you know, when I'm looking back through my notes on what I've written down in this call about in your case, it's a a different, it's similar, but a different set of emotions. It's, uh, you know, the, the suspense and the dread of the unknown. And like you said, the end is on the way and it's this, I don't want to say negative emotions because it's putting a judgment on it, but it's a set of emotions that, that you don't know what to do with. Does that make sense?
2: It does. And it's like I said, a big part of it is that whole, like,
1: passing of time and things being, gone when they're gone mm-hmm. well Even- it's kind of like what's what do these emotions do for me in this sea of nothing
2: yeah right right yeah in a sea of meaningless trying to build meaning and honestly watching people who have invented meaning into their lives and bought into it and that is not an insult that's a little bit of jealousy <laughs> <laughs>
1: Right. Well that's you kind know? Of what I mean. It's like disembodied emotion. It's like, what do I do with this? And it wasn't until my later twenties, early thirties, and years of counseling and twelve step stuff, you know, meetings and shit like that that I kind of got to a point where I realized that I don't need to do anything with my emotions. I can just experience them and then let them go. Or let them not go, but um Yeah. Let them be. Yeah. Yeah, I no, I think that I think that makes a lot of sense because you know, growing up, I think we're all taught that if you feel this, you must do that. If you feel mm-hmm. that, you must do this, and it, it takes a, a long time to unlearn that to realize. No, I don't have to do that. But don't then, like to do you say, anything, it's, right? Yeah. But then you're left with okay, but then what do I do? I just sit here and feel this. It's like. I
0: kind of had the opposite. I was told if I feel like smashing a chair over my classmate, don't do that. So I did.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now you're going, but I can. Mm. (laughs) Right. I really (laughs) missed out. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, right. So uh, considering the theme of the podcast, last question, is there anything relevant that you're aware of that we haven't asked about or you haven't talked about?
2: No, not that I can think of like, uh, I, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, sure. and it's interesting, like thinking of things that I don't normally like think of at all. They just kind of are part of right. me, you know?
1: Right. Like, so That's part of why we enjoy it too.
2: Yeah. That's yep. a good it's a cool idea that you guys have here. Like I, I dig it. Thank you. It's thank you. Good. Good food for thought.
1: Yes, it is. Well, thank you very much for your time this evening yeah so a, absolutely glad to be you here sure. love to do it again sometime yeah. um i to the closing here thank you to anybody else out there listening please do come visit us at horror dot com um got lots of cool stuff over there but the uh, biggest thing you do to help us right now is just tell a friend if you like what we're doing tell somebody